Amen. Yeah. Well, welcome to uh, the Christmas season here at Vertical. I'm excited for what God has in store for us. And uh, you might be noticing I'm standing behind a different stand than I normally am. Yeah, so um, we were getting down Christmas decorations this past week, and this was up in the attic. We have a very large attic, and I thought, well, we should try this. And some of the guys that were helping decorate said, you definitely should try this. You should use this. So um, I checked, and this is the same podium that Wes Edwards used back here in this church in the 90s. Miss Carol Edwards told me that this morning again. So uh, I'm grateful to bring some, uh, some heritage forward. I know Wes stood behind this very stand and proclaimed the gospel and taught and made disciples right here. And it's part of the history and heritage of this church. So uh, I'm honored to uh, stand on his shoulders today and uh, be part of what God has done here in this on this property and in this room, in fact. So, amen, Carol? Amen. 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 So, we've seen God do some amazing things over the past several weeks, and it's been so exciting to be a part of and see God work in some very fresh ways and to see believers um, discipled and mature and walk in some new areas of freedom and to see the enemy pushed back. Amen? I'm loving that. I'm loving him being pushed back. I'm loving the, the curtains being torn open to reveal what he's all about, but the veil in heaven being open to show us what Jesus is all about. Amen? And I think because we are seeing believers in this day beginning to stand in faith, not fear, but beginning to stand in the blessings that are ours in Jesus Christ, in reminding ourselves he is for me, he is with me, he is not against me, he has blessed me. I don't have to pray to ask him to be with me. He is with me, he is in me, I am in him. Amen? Those are two very different things. I don't have to ask him to keep me because in Jesus Christ, I was predestined to be here before eternity. I was here planned by him. He has worked in me. He has a purpose for me. Amen. I don't have to pray and ask him to keep me. He has promised he will keep me to the end. I actually don't have to pray and ask him to bless me because he has already told me that I have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Jesus Christ already. Amen. I might pray to ask my eyes or ask God to open my eyes to those blessings, but those blessings are already ours in him. And when you start standing in some of those things, when you start standing in those truths, you start becoming more confident, you start becoming more bold, and you start walking in victory. You stop living in fear, anxiety, and defeat. And I think that's what we're seeing here. This last series was called The Blessing. We looked at the blessing from Numbers chapter 6, and we've learned that Jesus fulfilled all of that, and they're all true for us today. And we've been standing in that. And so the enemy has been pushed back, and I'm grateful for that. Amen? He doesn't want you to walk in confidence in your faith. He doesn't want you to walk in power. He doesn't want you to see his deceptions and his lies he doesn't like that kind of thing. He likes instead for you to agree with some names he has for you. He wants you to agree whenever he whispers to you, you're powerless. 
He wants you to agree when he whispers to you that you are defective, that you are incapable, that you are unnecessary, that you are worthless, that you are broken beyond repair. He wants you to agree to those names. He wants you to answer to those names. And when you do, you become the very name you answer to. But there is a king in heaven who also has some names for us. And he is the one that we answer to. So when he says to me, I have been made accepted in the beloved, I answer to that. Amen. When he tells me I have been made righteous, I answer to that by faith. Hello. When he tells me I am forgiven, I answer to that because that's who I've been called in Christ. Amen. When you begin to stand in who you are in Christ, you begin to be the names you answer to and you begin to see power working in your life. You begin to stand in the blessings of what God has for us. Sadly, the enemy is swiftly at work today and he is sidelining, distracting, and pulling believers back into isolation and fear. It's happening today. Believers, because of the events happening in our world around us, they're becoming more isolated, quiet, and blending in to what's happening around them instead of standing boldly for who they are in Christ. Many have been sidelined, they've lost their confidence, and they've lost their hope. And the Bible said there would be a day like that Sadly, 1 Timothy 4 in the New Testament. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. We are here to pull back the curtain on those deceptions and those lies. We are here to set captives free. We are here to boldly proclaim the gospel that there is hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I know that's why you've come this morning. I know that's why you're here because you believe those things. So today, we do that. We're going to stand in who we are in Jesus Christ, pull back the curtain because the enemy is after you. He's prowling around and he's looking for those who will be sidelined and distracted. And there's a time in life when he seems to be much more aggressive about that. And it's in the times that you and I are all of a sudden in our dark moment. In that moment where the pain has come to you, the unexpected phone call has come to you, the circumstances seem out of control to you. That loved one that you've prayed for seems to be taking a turn for the worse rather than a turn toward Christ. In that moment right there is when the enemy loves to try to whisper his best to you. That's when he starts calling out. That's when he starts pulling you. That's when he starts bringing you back into your addiction, back into your isolation, back into all the names that you used to answer to. So today, we pull back the curtain. Today, we proclaim the gospel. And today, our message is called Hope is Born in the Dark. Amen. 
In those dark moments, the enemy wants you to turn away, but in the dark moments is when God is also speaking. He's shouting truth to us for us to understand what he has for us. Now, as we go into this new series, we need to define some terms. And we're going to start with this word hope because you and I use it today in a way that is entirely unbiblical. And I know it's just part of our normal conversation to be in a conversation with someone and say, man, I hope it rains today. I hope it gets a little colder. I hope I get this present for my your birthday. I hope I get this present for Christmas. I hope I get this raise. I hope things turn out better. That's how you and I use hope. We use it to mean I wish it would be like this, or it would be nice if this happened. I don't think it could happen, but it would be nice if it did. That's how you and I use hope. We'd like for something to happen that really probably has a chance that it won't happen, but we hope that it would. Look here, as much as you and I use that on a daily basis, let me tell you, that is not at all what the Bible means when it uses the word hope. So we're going to have to do some unlearning here. You're going to have to do some deconstructing in your head for what this word hope means. And it'll be a challenge for you, but we're up to the challenge. Amen? Because I want to define my words I use by what the Bible says they are, not by what I say they are. Hello? Yeah? So hope, when the Bible uses it, it uses it to mean a confident anticipation that it will happen because God said it would happen. That is how the Bible uses the word hope. It never uses it in terms of, well, it sure would be nice. No, it always uses it as the hope. There's usually an article with it. The hope that we have. Her hope. His hope. Our hope. This confident expectation that it will happen. Not might. Not maybe, it will happen. You can pray with that confidence. You can speak with that confidence. You can worship with that confidence because when we come here together, we are not praying to a God that we hope is there in our sense of how we use it, but we're praying to a God we know is there, amen? We know is good. We know has sent his son. We know he died for us. We know he rose again. We know he is seated with him in heavenly places today. And that those who come and receive that grace by faith and repent of their sins and come to him, we know that we have eternal life in him. Those are not wishes. Those are not, it would be nice if it happened. Those are confident anticipations of what we know is true. Amen? I'll change your life when you know what hope means. It is absolute confidence, certainty. So I'm challenging myself this month to change how I use the word hope because I don't want anybody to hear me use it and it not be what the Bible means when it says hope. Amen? Now, if I don't have that kind of confidence, if I live instead by my circumstances, if I tend to evaluate, in fact, myself and even God by my circumstances, which, by the way, is what most people do. This is what we all are tempted to do. Evaluate God based on our circumstances. 
Let me prove it to you. If you had a great week, if you got a raise at your job, if your marriage is up on a high note, if your kids are doing well in school, we all tend to say, God is here with us. Hello? But if things did not go so well this week, kids' grades falling off in school, the job at work we're not even certain about for the future, culture is headed downhill, we tend to think, where is God? Hello? Right? Is that not what we do? It is. We tend to evaluate God based on our circumstances rather than evaluating our circumstances based on God. And we've been trying to undo some of that for all of us here at Vertical recently. I'm not going to evaluate my life and God and his view toward me based on what's happening around me. I'm going to flip it and remember I have and I walk in the blessing of number six and in Jesus Christ and I evaluate my life based on that. He has promised he will bless me. So I don't care what happens this week. I don't care if I have a ticket and get in a wreck. God has promised he's blessing me. And I can't see how a ticket and a wreck would be a blessing, but he's promised he will bless me, he will keep me, he will cause his face to shine upon me, so I'll evaluate a ticket and a wreck based on that. Hello? You see what I'm saying? That's the difference between evaluating life by my circumstances and evaluating my life by what God says. Because if I evaluate my life based upon my circumstances, then the enemy has a word that he comes and whispers to you in that moment. When things are not going like you thought, when you're not being treated the way you expected to be treated, when things did not go well for you at work, when some circumstances just happened beyond your control, the enemy is taking down people one at a time and in rapid form today with one simple word. And here it is, victim. You're just a victim. You're just a victim of your circumstances. You're just a victim of those other people. You're just a victim of what they think about you. You're just a victim. In fact, God has even left you. You can't count on his word. You can't count on him. You see how subtle, you see how deceptive the enemy is because if he can make you think that you have been left, that you were out in left field, that you have all of a sudden lost his hand upon you, that he's not reigning over you, then the enemy says, I got you. I got you. Victim, that's who you are. Victim. You see, if you're a victim, you're powerless. If you're a victim, you're being taken advantage of. If you're a victim, you're not loved. If you're a victim, things in the future are not going to go well for you. If you're a victim, you only have problems coming. If, there, if you're a victim, there's an abuser. If you're a victim, God's not reigning over you. If you're a victim, your life's in chaos. You see how subtle the enemy is. The victim mentality says there is no hope. There's no purpose. There's no plan. There's no escape. You are a victim. 
It's a dangerous and subtle word today that every believer must stand up and say, no, I am not a victim. I am a conqueror in Jesus Christ because every event, every moment is ordained by my God. If I get a ticket and I get in a wreck, it's because God has chosen for me to get a ticket and get in a wreck and I'll bless his name because he's chosen to bless me, keep me, and cause his face to shine upon me. Hello? Come on now. That's the difference. That'll take you from being a victim to being a conqueror. And as the book of Romans says, more than a conqueror. You won't just barely win in the situation. You won't just fight to barely scrape by. In fact, you will more than conquer. You will embarrassingly win. You will show up, show off, and put a knife in the enemy's throat for all that he's saying to you, and you will stand in conquering power over him. Amen? That's the difference when you believe that there is hope. Victim, answering to victim, agreeing with the word in the name victim will pull you back into isolation. Victim will pull you into bitterness. Victim will pull you into anxiety. Victim will pull you into depression. Victim will pull you into all your own appetites to find your comfort. Victim will make you eat more than you wanted to. Hello? I can say that, I know that. Victim will make you drink what you ought not be drinking because you gotta medicate. Victim will make you take stuff you got no business taking so you can medicate where you're aching. Hello? Yeah. Victim will do that to you. That's why the enemy is whispering it so loudly today and you and I are watching people by the scores fall and bow to that name. But you and I in Jesus Christ are not victims. Amen. And it's my goal by the time we leave here today, we know that, amen? We stand in conquering power, and we know we are victorious, not victims. Turn your Bibles today to Romans chapter 8. This is where we're going to camp out today and see the fact that hope is here. Romans chapter 8 is one of the most meaty doctrinal books in the New Testament. Uh, I love Romans. It takes you on a journey that will rearrange your thoughts and cause you to deconstruct every thought you've ever had and build it and rebuild it all upon Jesus Christ. Romans, the book of Romans points out what happens when you live by your urges instead of by the power of the Spirit. If you don't believe me, just read through chapter one. You'll see the demise that comes to everybody who follows their urges instead of the Spirit of God. The book of Romans shows what happens when you have a victim mentality to lead you straight to death. The book of Romans shows us what happens in that God gave us his son as an act of grace. We did not deserve it, could not earn it. The book of Romans shows us how we receive that grace, and it's by faith. It's not by religious performance. You didn't come here today. I hope you did not come here today to get some religious just points. I'm not going to stand at the door and check off your spiritual list, list of check boxes you've got. That's not what I'm here for today. We're here to proclaim the free gift of grace by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. We receive it not by doing, but by hearing and believing. 
We've come here today because we believe that there's power when we repent, and the book of Romans points that out. There's power when we change intentionally to walk and follow what Jesus has, and the book of Romans is the one that says we are more than conquerors. So we're in Romans 8 today. I'm going to start in verse 18. The Apostle Paul's writing, and he says this. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know, sometimes we think about heaven and the glory that will be around us and the glory we will see there with us. But this verse makes it clear that Paul says the glory that's to come is actually going to be in us. The crazy, man. I mean... What a stunning revelation that God is pouring out here that the grandest glory is that which is going to be in you. You transformed into the image and the wonder of Jesus Christ. You free from your sin, free from your flesh. You radiating the glory of God from your life. And Paul says, look, the sufferings that you're going through here today, they have no comparison to the glory that will be revealed in us. It will happen. There's coming a day that that will happen. Not might, not hope it will happen. It will happen. Amen? It is coming. There'll be a day you and I will reign with him. There'll be a day you and I will be freed from our flesh. All injustice will be dealt with. Every tear will be wiped away. All pain will end. We'll see Jesus face to face. We'll experience the grandeur of the glory of God and we'll be forever with the Lord. Amen? Amen. We can all get with that verse. Verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Woo, Paul's packed a bunch in here. Look here, earnest expectation. That means longing, like I can't wait. This is gonna be amazing. I just can't wait for that to happen. I know it will. Earnest expectation says, whoa, I can't wait. Whoa, I can't wait for that moment. Earnest expectation. It's a word for intense longing. You can see it. You know it's coming. You can taste it. You believe it. You're confident in it. And you're just waiting. You're expecting. You're anticipating it. And there's intense longing. And Paul says that the person or the thing that's actually doing the longing here is creation itself. For the earnest expectation, the longing, the intense longing of the creation. Your backyard is waiting for the day to come. Your dog is waiting for a day to come. Believe me, they need it. They need to be redeemed. Hello. Your cat, who really needs to be redeemed, is waiting for that day to come, hello, no, we're, we're more cat people than dog people. <sighs> if it was Heather's way, we'd be more dog people than cat people. It's not because I'm a cat person, it's just I'm just really not a dog person. Right, babe? You're a Heather person. I'm a Heather person, yes! <laughs> Boom! She said it, not me. But it's true. It's true. Yeah, I love Heather, so therefore I love cats. Right? I love Heather, but I struggle to love dogs. <sighs> right? But Paul says here that creation waits for that moment. The physical creation, the animal kingdom is waiting. The earth itself is waiting. The ground, the rocks, the sky, the water, 
it was all created for something very different than it is today. You know that, right? What we are seeing today, as beautiful as it is at times, as beautiful as a sunset is and a sunrise, as beautiful as the Grand Canyon, as beautiful as a waterfall, as beautiful as all of that is, look here, it does not even compare to the glory in which God created it in the beginning and the glory that it will have one day. When God created, there were no mosquitoes and wasps that would harm us, hello? There were no thorns and thistles to hurt us. There was no working with sweat to have to produce fruit. There was work, but not like we have it today because the earth is currently under a curse. Go back and look at it in Genesis. We are all living on an earth that's cursed. It is experiencing suffering because of something it did not do. Just hold on to that. We're about to get there. But there's coming a day when the animal kingdom, the physical realm, even all that is in the universe, the planets, the stars, the universe itself is impacted today because of the sin of man. But one day, as this verse says, there'll be a revealing and a revealing of Jesus, but it'll be a revealing also of the sons of God. And who is that? That's us. We are the sons and daughters of God. And creation is waiting for the day that the glory is revealed in us because it knows it will be set free in that day. But this verse tells me something very interesting that creation is longing for something that it currently does not have. Sometimes you and I get caught up in this trap of thinking, well, I don't have what I think I should have yet. I haven't had my prayers answered yet. Things aren't going like I want them to yet, therefore, there must be something wrong with God. Wrong. This verse says, there's a yet to come, and it's all part of God's plan. You can have faith and still have longing for something that has yet to come. Amen. In fact, that is what your faith is for, for something that is yet to come. Don't look at your life right now and think, wow, Things aren't really working out like I thought. Things aren't really happening like I thought they would. Some things I've been praying for haven't really been answered yet. I think I'm going to check out on this God thing. What? There you go, back to evaluating God based on the circumstances of your life. You've got to flip that thing around. He is not the sum of what happens here. Amen. Hello? Let's remember who we are. And let's believe him and hold on to what he has said. It is okay. It is natural. In fact, it is right and good for us to be at a place in our life where we want something more than we currently have and are praying for God to deliver us into that. Hello? That's right and that's good. The fact that I don't have it yet doesn't mean that God is not there. The fact that I don't have it yet and I have a longing for it 
proves that there is a God because he says it can exist out there and I can get there through him. Hello? It actually proves there is a God, not that there isn't a God. It proves that he is good and not that he's not good. Are you with me this morning? Stay with me because we're going on a journey this morning of faith and God is going to deliver us into something fresh and new. The next verse, verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, emptiness, vanity, corruption, and not willingly. The trees didn't ask for all this. The ground didn't ask for all this. The animal kingdom didn't ask for all of this. The stars and planets didn't ask for all of this. God delivered them all into what is happening now by his choice. That's what it says. Creation was subjected, put into emptiness, corruption, not willingly. Hello? But because of him who subjected it in hope. God had a purpose. God had a plan. God had a purpose by allowing creation to fall under the curse of sin. That's what it says. God had a purpose. It didn't happen that Adam sinned and God go, oh, dude, man, that's not what I thought this was going to be. He didn't get upset that day and say, mm, somebody get me some more Twinkies and some Jack Daniels and some pills to take because I don't know what to do about this mess that's all happened. <laughs> Hello? But is that not our go-to sometimes? God subjected it, allowed it to happen in hope. Now, let me just ask you a question here. Who in this verse had hope? Say it again. Yeah, you can say it with confidence. God is the one who had hope. For the creation was subjected to futility. It wasn't its choice. Not willingly, but because of him, God, who subjected it in hope. God had hope. Now, do you think it was the kind of hope that says, Man, I hope this thing all turns out right. I mean, I think I got a plan. I'm not sure. I mean, I may have to work on a plan B, C, D. I don't know. I'm going to try this whole deal with my son and just see how it works out. Man, I really hope this works out. I'm kind of nervous about the whole thing, but I'm going to try it. You know, it's going to take a little while, but boy, whew, I'm hoping it all works out. That is not what happened. God had a purpose from the beginning and he allowed the earth to fall under the corruption of sin because he had hope. He had a confident expectation and an anticipation that what he started, he would complete. And it would mean going through some pain, but there would be an end that would be glorious. Amen. I'm telling you, he had hope. And if he can have hope and he is in us, then you and I can have that same hope. That same hope. Let's go on in the passage. Verse 24. I'm skipping down a few verses. For we were saved in this hope. Hmm. Hey, you're talking about my salvation all of a sudden. 
We were saved in this hope. When you were saved, when you came to Jesus Christ, you came and you confessed your sins. You didn't say, well, I might have screwed up a few times. I don't really know. No, you confessed, I am a sinner. Hello? You confessed, God sent his son who was righteous and a spotless lamb. God sent him to the cross for me to take my place. That when I, let me back up, and he rose again on the third day. Let's not forget that. And if I receive him or when I receive him by faith, I am made new. He redeems me, he gives me his righteousness, and he removes the name sinner from my card. Hello? That happens, and it happens surely. We are saved in this. This is how a person is born again. If you came and you said, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe I did sin. I don't know. I might have. And, you know, I, I mean, I'd like to think that God sent his son, Jesus. I mean, that'd be some nice thought. I mean, and, I, you know, I would, I would like it if that, you know, he really did rise from the dead. I mean, that'd be cool. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, if I ask him, I mean, I don't know. I kind of always believed in God. Uh, maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. Uh, I might have received him. I might walk with him. I don't know. I, I might. Look, if that's you, I'm sorry. You are not saved. You're not rescued. You're not set free. You're still living in yourself. You're still living in wishes. You're not living in reality. You're living in fake news. You're living in some fantasy world and you're afraid to deal with the reality of your sin and a savior and salvation. You're saved when you come with confidence. I am a sinner. Jesus died for me. I confess my sins, I repent of my old life, and I receive Jesus into my life to make him Lord of my life. If that's you, you are saved. You are redeemed. You are set free. And we are saved in this hope, not wish, not would like it to be possibly true, not, well, I'm going to wait to get to heaven and see just what happens with this whole deal. Huh? That's not saved. That's still, still wishing on some fairy tale-ish dream. The confidence you and I have in Jesus Christ is that I have received him into my life. I am seated with him now. And the day that I breathe my last here, I'll breathe my first in heaven immediately without some kind of pop quiz that says, now why should I let you into my heaven? That's not in the Bible anywhere, folks. I don't know where you heard that, where you got that. That's not in the Bible anywhere. You're saved or you're not saved. You're in or you're not in. And when you're in, you're in. You breathe your last here, you breathe your first there. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We are saved in that hope. Hello? Amen. We're saved in this hope. But he goes on in that verse and he says, but hope that's not seen is not hope. Brilliant, Paul. But it is. Hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. 
if you can see it in front of you, you're no longer hoping for it. There was a day that I was hoping I would get married. When I saw Heather, there was a day I was hoping I would marry her. I don't hope that anymore. Because what was a dream and a vision became a reality. Amen? I don't hope for that anymore because I see it. But look, there's some things I'm still hoping for today. And it's okay and right and good to be hoping for some things as a child of God. You should be. You should be hoping for a day that looks a lot different than the day around us today. Hello? The different than the culture, what's going on around us. It's okay to hope for that, to hope for the return of Jesus Christ and know that he is. It's okay to have hope in some different things happening in your family. It's okay. It's right. It's, it's good, in fact, to hope and believe God is going to work in some family members to bring about some reconciliation, to bring about some restoration, to bring about some repentance, to bring about some change. That's right, and that's good because hope that is seen is not hope. And you and I ought to be people who live with confident hope. So don't look at those things in your life and think, well, my family's all messed up, my finances are a wreck, and my job's not what I want, and my marriage is still not where I want it to be yet. Don't look at all of that, say all of that, and conclude God has left you. Look at all of that and say, God, I'm believing you are at work. I'm believing you are present because you promised it. And my marriage may not be what I want it to be yet, but I know you have your eyes on it. You have a purpose in it. You are speaking and you are working today yes. on behalf of your glory and for your purposes. Hello? Everybody got a little quieter all of a sudden on that one. Your children may not be where they want or where you expect them to be yet because there's things you're still praying for them in. Your parents may not be where you want them to be yet, but there's some things you're still praying for them. Your grandchildren may be at some places that you are praying for different outcome. That's good and that's right because we're a people of hope. We're a people of vision. We're a people who believe in something bigger than what's happening today. And it's the enemy's lie to make you think that because everything's not like you want it to be now that God has left you. Wrong. That's a lie from the enemy. Don't let him deceive you. Don't let him distract you. Don't let him pull you away. What I don't see yet doesn't keep me from believing. In fact, it fills me with greater passion to keep believing. Faith is bigger than the circumstances. Faith is bigger than my urges and appetites. Faith is bigger than what's going on around me. Let's just get real practical here. As Christians, we're looking at what's happening in our nation today. And we're seeing people push an agenda that is God-less, that 
seeks to take away freedom, that seeks to silence the voice of Christians. We look at all of that and it's tempting to think, well, looks like God's given up on this whole place. Looks like he's out. Looks like he's off busy in some other land. Looks like he's doing something different somewhere else today and he's absent from this whole deal. We've been abandoned, we've been dropped. The enemy is winning. This is what people tend to conclude today. The enemy's having its way. That political group is having its way. They are winning. Look here. We are people of faith held by the hand of God. He has promised to lead us, keep us, bless us, keep his eye upon us. And so if the culture starts turning left, that does not mean our God has left us. It's an indicator that he is right up in the middle of it all. And you say, what? Yes, read Romans 1. The people whose morals slipped, the people who turned their hearts against God, it was God in Romans 1 who said he turned them over to their desires. He did it. He was in the midst of it. And if the culture is rushing left as fast as it can today, it's because God is allowing it. It's because God is the one who's saying, you want all that sin? Have it. He will not be stopped. He will not be thwarted. He will carry out his purposes. And the people of God, he'll protect us in the midst of it all. Amen. Amen. He has not left us. Come on now. When I recognize that, that can give me hope. That can give me confidence. I don't have to turn on the news with fear. I don't have to get in my car and run hunker in a bunker somewhere. I don't have to hide away, pack away, close off away. I can step right out in the way of faith and believe God is at work today. Look, when things start going sideways in my own circumstances and they get painful and they get difficult and family is walking in pain too. That is not the time that God has left you. Do not evaluate God based on your circumstances. Evaluate God based on his word. He has promised to keep you, to be with you, and to bless you. And if things are going sideways, he's allowing them to go sideways. He has a purpose in it. He has a plan in it. Because even creation itself Sideways today, God allowed it to be because he did it with hope, with a purpose. Don't panic in the midst of your circumstances. Have faith in God in the midst of your circumstances. Amen? Hope that is seen is not hope. Of course I hope for something different than what I'm looking at today. Of course. And that's good. And that's right. The passage goes on in Romans 8, 24, and it says, for what does one still hope for what he sees? Of course it's good to have longing, desire, 
to want something more, to pray for something greater, to trust God for something bigger, to have a vision for your life and your family and your church and your nation that's bigger than what it is now. Of course that's right. Of course it's good. But this is our time to be filled with that kind of confidence. He's not left us. He's chosen to bless us. He's not taking his hands off and letting us just run right up into the wall. No, he has promised he will keep us. And so I'll stay with him in the midst of it. No matter what I see happening, I'll trust him in the midst of it. So in this day, this is the day that you and I choose to keep believing by faith. This is the day you and I choose as a church. We're going to keep speaking the truth and keep making disciples. That's what he's called us to, and we'll stand in it. And we'll believe his promises that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We'll stand in that. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter what kind of resistance comes, we stand in truth. Amen? Amen. We stand in that. And so, therefore, today, we keep growing in our marriage. We keep teaching our children. We keep teaching our grandchildren. We keep drawing together as family. We keep worshiping as the church. We keep proclaiming the truth together. We keep encouraging one another because hope is real and hope is here and hope is confident and hope has anticipation in it. Hope is not a like or a wish or a dream. It is reality and we stand in it. 825 from Romans, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance because it will happen. Let me close with this today. Let me close with something from the book of Acts that tells us a story, a short story about a man we all know from the Old Testament, David. David was a man who had a heart after God, but David lived life like you and I do. David went through some stuff. David had close friends turn on him. They didn't just walk away and post some nasty things on social media about him. They hunted him. They wanted to kill him. They tried to kill him. David had a son, a grown son, rebel against him and hunt him. David had entire armies pursuing him. David was so hunted that he had to hide in a cave. David also knew the heartache of loss. David lost a baby shortly after it had been born. David knew pain. David could have evaluated God based on his circumstances, but he chose not to. Here's what he says in Acts chapter 2, verse 25. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, My heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will also rest in hope. This is not wish. This is not it'd be nice if it turned out that way. This is confidence. This is certainty. And it was so confident and so certain that David said, it caused my heart to rejoice. Not just when things were good, but while I was being hunted, while I was suffering, while I was in the midst of pain, my heart was rejoicing. 
my tongue, the words, the things I said, they were full of gladness. And my flesh, that weak part of me, that part that wants to make me give up and give in, it also rested in hope. Man, today, the mind and the emotions are reeling because of things happening. But David and Paul from Romans and countless others from Scripture, they believed with confidence in a God who was for them, who had promised to keep them, who said he would bless them and he would keep his eye on them and his face would be toward them. And they believed it when things were good and they believed it when things were tough and they believed it all the way through and it caused their mind to not drift into anxiety. It caused their emotions not to drift off into depression. It caused their heart to not drift off into despair but to rest, to be settled in hope to say, God, my confidence is in you. Not in the latest thing I read from social media or the news, not in the latest update that came from my friends, but from what your word tells me, and I rest in that. And hope is here today, because Jesus is here. The Spirit of God is here. And you can have hope in this day if you will put that hope in him. Would you bow your heads with me? Today, this is the day to decide. God, I don't want to answer any more to the enemy's names from me. I'm tired of it. I'm done with it. There's no rest in it. So no longer will I answer to defeated, helpless, hopeless, abandoned, rejected, failed, ugly. I will no longer answer to those names I will no longer make agreements with the enemy's deceptions and lies. Today, I make my agreements with God who has said that there is hope in his name. There is hope in his purpose in us. There is hope in his calling. There is hope in Jesus. And I rest in that confident, anticipated hope today and nothing else. So Father, I thank you for that today. I thank you for freeing us. I thank you for rescuing us. I thank you for calling us in this day to be a people of great hope, great confidence, great boldness, 
who are unafraid to stand in truth, unafraid to proclaim your gospel, unafraid to raise up our children, unafraid to teach our families, unafraid to stand like men and women of faith in our day because we believe in the one who has conquered all and who makes us conquerors of all as well. We believe that today. We stand in that today. We pray this today in the one who is our hope, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.